Welcome to the Dollars and Hops podcast, where we help you optimize your financial future. Here are your hosts, Scott and Lance. Welcome back to the Dollars and Hops podcast. My name is Lance, your host. We're excited you've joined us here, where we optimize your financial future, and we sip on some craft brews. I have my good friend and co-host, Scott, with me all the way up in Maryland. Scott, what's good, brother? How you doing? I'm doing well, Lance. I'm excited. Tonight is when we talk about cars, everything about cars, how to buy them, what percentage of your budget they should be, whether to buy used or new, and whether or not you should lease them or buy them. But before we get into that, let's get into the hops portion of the podcast. For those of you that do not know, Lance and I will sip on a craft brew each and every episode. Lance, what are you sipping on tonight? So this week, I'm keeping it local with the Holy City Brewing Company up here in North Charleston, South Carolina. I think we've done one of their brews before here on the podcast. And I'm bringing it back to one of the first beers I ever had when we moved to Charleston. And this is the Pluff Mud Porter. The weather is right for this one. I'm excited to dig into this one. Scott, what do you got? Got cold and Lance busts out the porter. I love that. (laughs) I am actually going to be trying. uh, This is from Big Truck Farm Brewery. That's a mouthful. From Parkton, <laughs> Maryland, it is a half cab hazy IPA. I had the had the chance to uh, go uh, to Big Truck Farm Brewery this past weekend with my wife, and uh, we enjoyed it there. So that's what I'll be sipping on this evening. I saw that picture, man. That was, it looked like a good time. <laughs> it was cool. Well, next on the show, we're going to be jumping right into some headlines. Uh, Scott, looks like you found a really cool article for us this week to take a look at in line and theme with our main topic around uh, car purchasing, car leasing. What do you got for us, man? Yeah, so this one uh, comes from PR Newswire. The headline reads, average new vehicle prices are up 2% year over year as of July 2020, according to Kelly Blue Book. So what I found out, and I was pretty shocked by this, is the the average new car price is now $38,378, which seems extremely high, but I guess that that's probably because most Americans love their SUVs and their vans and they're the larger, the better, it seems like uh, in, in today's day and age. So I was just thinking about that. And I'm like, okay, well, what does that equate to as far as a loan? Uh, Lance and I would probably recommend no more than like a three-year loan on a car because it's a depreciating asset that really you should be paying off pretty quickly. But if you take out a three-year loan, and you don't put anything down on a $38,000 car, your payment is $1,100 per month on that car for three years, which is crazy. So, and that's just, that's just one car. And you know, most, most households have two cars. So it's crazy, man. And that's an expensive car too, Scott, like $38,000 for that to be, I'm a little bit blown away by that, that the average car price now in America is $38,000, north of $38,000. Yeah, it's crazy. And I, I started thinking, I'm like, how can people afford this? The answer <laughs> is they can't. Because, so I did a little bit more research because I'm like, how do people afford $1,100 car payments when most people have two cars? They don't. The, the answer mm. is that they have the average car loan term 
is now six years, so 72 months. People are not taking out three, four-year car loans anymore. They're taking out six-year car loans, which is pretty scary because when you start to look at it, the depreciation can outweigh what the car is actually worth. So you can get into a situation where you're actually upside down in your car, so you owe more on your car than it's actually worth. It's a little uh, which, bit of a Tokyo Drift situation, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Tokyo Drift. Yeah. So I, I found that to Drift, be Tokyo drifting the wrong way, right there. <laughs> no so I found that to be pretty crazy. Uh, I thought thought I'd share that one on the pod tonight. Uh, but let's Lance, let, let's get into uh, talking about cars here, and and uh, there's kind of four main things that we wanted to go over today. Number one the percentage of your budget that cars should really make up. And that is, that could be debated, of course. Uh, and Lance and I will kind of talk through that with, with everybody. Uh, another thing we want to talk about is how to buy, H- how should you buy a car or how, how do you, how do we buy cars, uh, share our, our thought process and, uh, see if that might help some of the listeners. Uh, we'll also talk about used versus new, kind of what the advantages and disadvantages are there, and whether or not it makes sense to buy new or to buy used. And with that, let's get right into budget and what percentage of your budget a car should really make up. Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of jump in here because it, Scott already mentioned this, but because a car is a depreciating asset, you're going to hear us say that a lot. All that means is it's a fancy term for saying that is going down in value all the time over time. And the reason that is, is because so many new cars are being made and constantly upgraded, um, coming off the manufacturing lines from the different wonderful companies and all their amazing marketing and commercials and beautiful car lots that line the streets with these bright, shiny new cars. They're, they're rolling off the assembly lines all the time. And so as cars get older, they basically are becoming more and more obsolete. Um, and they break down more often, all that kind of stuff. So cars are always depreciating over time. They're going down in value. Therefore, we don't like here on the Dollars House podcast, we don't like to put too much of our assets. We don't like to put too many of our dollars into things that are going the wrong way in value. Therefore, we're going to go ahead and tell you that this should not break your budget having a car. In fact, I'm going to make an argument here in a little bit where I prefer to pay cash for vehicles. And that can sound scary to a lot of people, but what that does in your monthly budget is it totally takes out the car payment line. That's the whole point of even having that plan in place is to make sure we don't have a car payment. Yeah, sure, we've got car insurance as a line item in our budget, but we don't have a car payment because we're going to pay cash. That's my preference first and foremost. And you might say, Lance, how am I going to afford a $38,000 car in cash? Well, I would advise you don't buy a $38,000 car to begin with. I would advise you go at least a three-year-old car, maybe a four-year-old car and or, or older. Uh, the way cars are made these days, they really are quite safe and they'll last a long time if we take care of them. And the odds are we are getting tired of cars before the, t- the cars are getting tired of us, right? And so if we take a care of, of vehicles, they can actually last a long time, even if they don't look great. And so you might say, well, my budget's only $5,000. You can get a reliable vehicle for $5,000. I have friends who are driving $5,000 cars now. They're in their 20s, they're in their 30s, and it's just part of their life and it's fully functional vehicle for them. So I really just want to start this conversation off before we get into car payments and car loans and 
maybe other you know ways of buying cars, which we're we're okay with as well. I'm just wanted to start off by saying my personal preference and the way that I like to buy cars is saving up on the side until I can get the cash saved for the used vehicle that I want to buy that I've planned and researched for. And I'm looking at multiple options online until I find the deal I want and I'm striking then. Yeah. And I think that's smart. I mean, I look at my own personal life, so I'm guilty as charged because I've actually bought a new car and probably the most frustrating thing about the whole process didn't happen right away. It happened mm. a couple years later. Hmm. I bought my I bought my brand new car. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. What was it? It was a 2017 Acura RDX. Whew, nice. Okay, great, great car. Still have it. Love, love. It's a great car, but it's only great for so long, right? New technologies put in the in yeah. these cars every single day, and you can look at a car mm. that's one two years newer. Uh, you know, after you buy your car, your brand new car, and it makes your current car look like it's from the stone ages. <laughs> and that's fine, except for the fact right. that I spent the new car price. Right. So I yeah. feel like just a big dummy. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like if you buy a three-year-old car, uh, it's still new to you, right? And so it's it's kind of all about perspective, but sure. I think the main thing that Lance, yeah. I, 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 I think it's, I think it's great that obviously, um, you know, that's kind of how you live your life is, hey, pay, pay cash for, for, for your car, and that basically frees up cash flow for you to do other things with. So our kind of rule of thumb here is no more than ten percent of your monthly budget should really be dedicated to a car. Yeah. That's maximum. So if you're bringing home, let's say, ten thousand dollars a month. We're saying your overall car budget should be no more than a thousand dollars per month, and that's for the household. For the, for the household, exactly. So yeah. if you if you need yeah. two cars, that's five hundred bucks a month. Yeah. And really, we would argue to buy those cars because if you do so, eventually you're going to pay them off, and you're going to free up that cash flow, and you're going to be able to do uh, things like invest for your future with that cash flow. That's it. Well said. Yeah, and, and right in line with that. Hey, if you bring home four thousand dollars a month. $400 a month then would be the 10% that we'd say no more than that going towards car payments. Uh, it, it's just a good rule of thumb, not, not something to live and die by, but something that we think is, is a pretty good, pretty good marker for when you're looking at a car. If you do happen to have a car payment or if you're looking to purchase a car, you do decide to take out a loan. Um, that would be kind of how we advise the ratios to work out. Yeah. One, one thing I wanted to mention here, Lance, Lance obviously talked about how buying a three or four month or three or four year old car is going to save so much money. I did a little bit of research on this. So obviously I said at the mm. top that a new car in 2020 costs $38,378. The average cost of a used car in 2020 is actually $20,000. So by mm. buying used, you're, it's about wow. half. And obviously that just frees up so much extra money in your yeah. monthly budget and allows you to do so much more. And, and cars these days, I mean, they last for, they, you, they last if you take care time. of your car. 10 years plus, easy. Easy, easy. easy. Yeah, and, and and think about that. So th that's a great stat, Scott. I love that because 
if it's $38,000 of an average new car price versus the $20,000 of the average used car price. Is that what you said? Three years old or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It didn't, or, or it didn't tell average, me how, how old okay. the car is. So average used yeah, car. Yeah, it was just average used. So think about that though. That's $18,000 of depreciation hit that somebody else is taking that you're not taking. Right. Think about it from a net worth perspective. That's right off the bat, off of the buy of the vehicle. On the buy, you are saving $18,000 on average for your net worth. Yeah. Immediately. And what I've seen, what I've seen in my own, like just kind of doing my own research over the years is that if you tend to buy three to four years old, you'll pay about 40 to 50% less depending on the model for your car than you would for the brand new version of that car. Wow. So you, so somebody else has depreciated out 50% of that car and it just wow. changes the depreciation curve so wow. much. Uh, and you still, I mean, the car is going to be good for so much more than a four year period, obviously. <laughs> it, right. And, and also this is the, this is the age of information where you can literally just look at your phone in your hand or hop on your laptop and pull up search engines where you look at multiple different zip codes of you know, the, the make and model and color for goodness sakes that you want and you can just compare pricing and if you don't see something you like you just change your search filter or check again in another month or a couple weeks and it will change based on the used car prices and i do want to say during the pandemic during um 2020 with coronavirus and how it's kind of shaken up the economy and kind of turned upside down lots of different industries the used car market has actually been one of these industries that has been shaken up. And right now you will find it is more of a seller's market, which is weird to say with vehicles because used cars are more in demand than they have ever been before. So that's a good preface to say when we're talking about this in this episode, but still the principles remain the same, maybe just not as drastic as they have been in years past. And it will correct itself back as the economy gets back to a normal state at some point in the future. But for right now, we may see a little bit elevated prices on certain pre-owned used vehicles. Interesting. You're teaching me things tonight, Lance. I like that. So let's get into talking about actually how how to buy a car. Let's let's say you do have a need and you want to buy a car. I have a pretty so Lance, Lance just pays cash, you know, big, big money bag, Lance. He, he just comes in he just Scott, drops the. Scott has a, I, I just want everybody, I want our listeners to know right now, I'm looking at a play by play, I mean, in dollars and hops fashion, a play by play guide on how to buy a car that is at least a full page long on step by step. And we are going to post this in the show notes so that everybody can see I'm not lying it's incredibly detailed. As as our listeners, you are just lucky. I mean, fortunate to be tuning in right now to hear Scott go over his personal how to buy a car guide. Scott, why don't you just walk us through this this thing, this complicated thing, and make it simple for us? All right, all right. So I don't hear a lot of people talk about this. I am like super analytical when it comes to anything that I'm spending a lot of money on. I've gone through this process. I feel like this is a pretty solid process. So I hope somebody out there finds this to be useful. Number one, first things first, is you need to do a monthly budget to figure out what you can spend on a car. Obviously, we don't we don't recommend spending more than 10% of your monthly budget on a car. But you need to do a monthly budget because we don't know what your obligations are and what you can actually afford. It might be 6% of your uh, 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 of your monthly budget is what you can afford for a car. So you got to do that analysis. Once you figure out 
how much money you can spend on a car. There is a handy dandy calculator out there on Google through Edmunds.com. We'll link to it in the show notes. This is, let's, let's just say you come up and you say, okay, I have um, $500 per month that I can spend on a car. We would recommend having a loan term of no more than three years. At today's interest rates, you're looking at about a 3% car loan on average. That would tell us, hey, I can afford a $17,000 car. So you take your monthly amount that you can afford for a car after you do your monthly budget, you pop it into the calculator at a 36-month loan, and it'll tell you, okay, you can afford a $17,000 car. From there, you're going to secure financing from a credit union. You're going to do all of this before you even go look at cars. You need to figure out what your budget is, get your loan in place. So I recommend shopping for a loan at a credit union. Generally, they have the lowest mortgage rates you can you can usually join a credit union for free just for being a citizen of the state uh in most places so so getting the loan before you even go shopping for the car yeah do not yeah you do not want to walk into a car dealer without a loan already because they'll they'll find you a loan and it'll often be not as good of a deal as you would get with a credit union the interest rate will likely be higher the next step, this does seem long, Lance, so I guess you're right. Uh, <laughs> next step is, <laughs> is, to, is to narrow your search down. Obviously, you're going to have some idea of like what you like. So pick three to four different cars, brands that you like. Test drive the cars. Figure out, what, you know, get it down to one, two, three or so. And then go to Consumer Reports. Consumer Reports does an annual car buying issue. You don't have to subscribe to the magazine to get the ratings, but take those two or three brands, stack them up against each other on consumerreports.com. You can get a subscription. I think it's like five or $6 for a one month subscription. It, maybe it's $10. I don't know, but it's worth it because it'll tell you how reliable that brand of vehicle is likely to be. So if you see... If you got your two or three brands and one is significantly more reliable than the other two, you should probably go in that direction, especially if you like all three. Let me help you out with this. If you're looking for a minivan, look no further. Honda Odyssey all day long. Land. Crushing it. <laughs> they did not pay me to say that. They should, but no. <laughs> we love it. It's the best minivan on the market. Absolutely. So once you've kind of figured out, okay, I, you know, I like these one or two brands and, you know, these are the most reliable cars based upon the consumer reports ratings, search for the best deal online. Don't go to dealers. Everything is on cars.com the, or, you know, all, all the different search engines for finding cars and negotiate from your house. Hmm. Email the car dealers and say, Hey, I'm interested in this car. I want to know what your price is out the door, all taxes, all junk fees included. I want to know what it's going to cost me to walk out the door with this car, all the fees included, make them give you a price. Once you find the best deal, you're just going to want to get it checked out by an independent mechanic. That's the last piece. Have your independent mechanic test or, uh, you know, take a look at the car, make sure everything looks good. Nice. Yeah. And then from there, all you got to do is sign it or walk into the dealer and finalize the papers. You've already negotiated from the comfort of your own home. That's pretty cool for the car. And we've, I've done this in my own, my own personal life a, a number of times. And it is the most stress-free process for buying a car. I mean, 
not having to go into the dealer and have them go back to their manager to see if they can lower the price, et cetera. It, it, it's insane what they put people through at the car dealer. So that's my step-by-step process, one-page paper uh, dissertation on how to buy a that, car. That's great. That's great. I, I think that's that's going to be honestly a, a very helpful document for um, multi-page document for our listeners on our show notes. So it'll be there. You know, two other ways to buy cars that are uh, for, for on the used side of things where this this could still apply, Scott's method, but Carvana, which is kind of the app and um, they deliver the car to you and let you uh, test drive it and kind of kick the tires for seven days and get it, you know, check gives you time to get it checked out by an independent mechanic and everything to make sure it checks out. And if it doesn't, you can return it still with no questions asked and no I don't think it's any fee at all at that point. So Carvana is a great option. And also CarMax um, actually just matched the same seven-day return policy to be competitive with with Carvana. So both of those are just great places to look online for looking at the used option for that three- or four-year-old or even older vehicle that could be new to you. 100%. And, and I've only heard ger- good things about both of those options. Pr- what I've found is that the prices tend to be a little bit higher through the two of them, but the process itself is so much less stressful and easy and so non-buying-a-car type of situation. And if you're somebody who doesn't like the process of buying a car, which would be definitely be me, I would definitely recommend checking out, at least checking out Carvana or CarMax. Yeah, absolutely. Lance, you want to talk about leasing cars? Yeah, so with leasing cars, I'm not a fan of leasing cars, and I have some... Why is that, Lance? You know, it's... You know, first of all, I I, well, I get new wheels I, all the I time. Know, I know. If I lease well, a car, I got a, I got a new car all the time. You're driving around your 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 hurting uh, Honda got, Odyssey. Hey, listen, I've got you know? I've got some friends who <laughs> work for BMW, and they have the best gig in town. Where they get that, I think all they they got to do is put in like a little bit, and then they get the brand new BMW every three months. They swap it out for a brand new one off the line. I mean, it's incredible. It's like the coolest one of the coolest job perks ever. All that being said, cool. for leasing a car. Um, you really got to be like a car person and you really have to know that it's a luxury item that you're willing to splurge on a good bit. And I should have said this at the beginning of the episode, but I'm going to say it right now. Your boy Lance is not a car guy. I should have just said that. I mean, you probably got that. I own a minivan. You know, we haul our four kids around in that. My wife loves it. I love it. It's the most efficient vehicle you could possibly purchase ever. That's a fact. And so it's extremely functional, incredible, automatic sliding doors. It's incredible. But I am not a car guy. I have a functional car for my job. I drive a lot for my job. It gets the job done. I'm just not a car guy. Uh, some people are. And so if you wanted to lease a car, I will tell you there are some advantages, not many, but you get to have a new car all the time. Um, every kind of two or three years, you might turn it in and get a new one. There's less maintenance issues to deal with. Um, and you can probably get a nicer car than what you could afford if you just hit to pay cash or get a massive car payment. So it allows you to kind of move up in car. But there's a ton of disadvantages for leasing a car. And Scott, why don't you kind of just go down the list here and tell us all the disadvantages of leasing? Yeah. So the way I think about leasing is you're, you're renting a car. It's renting. That, that, that's essentially yeah. what you're doing. You're well, you, renting you, a car. You so you sign a lease when you, if you're renting a townhome or a house, you sign a lease and you're renting. You're renting the home. 
it's really no different here with a car. You're leasing a car, you're renting the car. The cool thing is when I rent a car from like Hertz or budget or something, they don't tell me, they don't tell me how far I can drive it. But if I lease a car, guess what? You got mileage caps. If you go over on your mileage, you get hit with penalties. You have a certain amount of time. But I mean, the main thing is you, you are basically paying the depreciation on that asset. When we talked about, hey, you know, if you buy a two or a two to four year old car, you might be paying half of what you would for a brand new car. Well, the people that are buying brand new are 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 paying that depreciation. The the leaseholders are paying that depreciation. So, what ends up happening is you never get to a spot where you actually own the car. So you're just you're a rat in a wheel, right? You're a rat in a wheel. You always have to you always have to have a payment. Because you want to have a car because you're leasing. So you never get to the point where you, you have no payment, which means you don't ever free up that cash flow to do other things for you. Mm. That's mm. that is the and the, the payment is the number one thing. I, I just can't ever. I mean, to have a car payment for three years is one thing. But then to have a car payment for which I don't even like that to begin with. But if you got to have it, you got to have it to buy a car. But at the end of that three year payment, three years of car payments, you don't even get to keep the car. You go get the new car and you start all over again or you go buy another car because you ain't keeping it. And so at the end of the three year cycle or lease, you're turning the car in. And what did you just get for three years of a lease payment, whether it was 250 bucks, 500 bucks or a thousand bucks? three years of that payment every single month and you have nothing to show for it except all the fun times you had in that car. Right. And and another thing is the insurance costs are often higher when you lease. Uh, I did and, not know that. And that I is, did not know that. I mean, that's simply because you're always driving a new set of wheels. So like if you were to total it, it is going to be more expensive <laughs> to replace. So it's kind of that simple. Um, kind of the final word on this is wealthy people tend to buy assets. So even though a car is a depreciating asset, it's still an asset that has value after you pay it off. If you're leasing, you're just renting the car for a given set amount of time with very strict parameters, whether that be time or that might be distance or both. So in our opinion, the cheaper that you can keep your expenses when it comes to cars, the more money you can put to work for your future and for retirement. A paid off car will free up cash flow for investing for the future. And we encourage everyone to do just this. Don't become a slave to your car. And I think you'll find when you're driving a vehicle that's paid for and you actually free up that cash flow. And if you're doing the monthly budget, like we've been talking about, like we coach you to do, I think you're going to find that you get more enjoyment out of that car. At least I do. Again, I'm not a car guy, but man, I get more enjoyment out of my vehicles when they're paid for and, um, and, and really treating them better and making sure I'm, I'm keeping up on oil changes and mechanic and mechanic checks and tire pressure and making sure they have clean tires on them and everything so that they're running well so that I can, can I think we can all tell Lance is yeah, not a car guy. guy. I, how yeah, I don't even know how to talk about it. I really don't. I, you know, I, if we want to talk about guitars, we'll talk about guitars, but when we can talk about cars. I, I can't, I, I, yeah, we'll, we'll cut it right there. It's all good. All right. Uh, let's get into the next segment of the pod questions that need answers. For those of you that don't know, uh, Lance and I will answer a couple questions on each podcast. We would love to get your questions. Please send them to 
questions at dollarsandhops.com. That's spelled out dollarsandhops.com. This first question is for Lance. Um, I currently have three student loans. Two are federal student loans, one with a 3.5% interest rate, the other with a 3.75% interest rate. I also have a private student loan with a 6.5% interest rate. The private loan has the highest balance. I'm also looking to uh, buy a house in the near future. Do you think I need to wait until I pay off the student loans before purchasing a house? So this is a good question. I think it's uh, very realistic for a lot of our listeners who are trying to pay off debt, pay off, follow the financial playbook. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and check it out. Parts one and two. Uh, I would say there's some missing pieces to the equation here to give a, a, a real accurate answer. I don't have the income level that you have. Your household income would be helpful to give you some guidance here. And also the, the actual balance of the loans. But based on the information you've given us, the higher student loan being at 6.5% interest rate, we know that that's considered high interest debt, which we want to get off the table as soon as possible. We want to kill it. We want to pay it off aggressively. So that would be the first thing we want to take care of. However large that private student loan is, let's pay that down as quickly as possible. That leaves your smaller student loans number that are at like three, three and a half, three and three quarters interest rate, which we would consider that low interest rate. And so we'd say continue to pay those as agreed upon. And at that point, begin saving up on the side for your 20% down purchase on your home to avoid that PMI. So we're going to recommend that at that point, you're kind of good to go as long as you have your emergency fund in place following the financial playbook. That step two that we have paying off the high interest debt would be now taken care of. You're now investing into your retirement accounts, you know, taking advantage of those while you're saving up for your down payment of your house. And at that point, yes, put that 20% down, purchase the house that's within your budget. And I think it's important to say we recommend, we haven't really talked about this yet on the podcast, and this is an important, we'll probably have future episodes we go deeper dives into purchasing homes. But 30-year fixed-rate mortgages are what we recommend on this podcast. And there's very specific reasons for this. We've thought a lot about this. This is exactly how Scott and I both live our lives with our primary mortgages. Maximize. We're going to maximize cash flow by having the 30-year mortgage. Exactly. Maximizing cash flow by having a 30-year mortgage and then investing the difference beyond that 30-year mortgage payment month after month. Uh, the monthly payment for that 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, we recommend being around 25% to a third of your monthly budget. Uh, we think anywhere in that range is is pretty solid. Obviously, if it's lower, that's great, but we don't really want it to be more than a third of your of your monthly budget. All right, we've got one more question here from a long-time listener. Um, who is anonymous. I will go ahead and read this scenario. This is kind of a longer one, but it's it's entertaining uh, to say the least. So I will I will read this out for you, Scott. Get ready. So I was at a dinner last week with a friend of mine mentioned a successful investment opportunity he was in. After some prodding, I got him to pitch me on it. I'll map out the rest of our conversation and would love to hear your thoughts. Here was his pitch. Bridge funding. A small and very successful business could quickly scale if they had more funding, but... They can't get another loan because their debt to income ratio is too high. We lend the company money so they can get approved for the loan. Once their loan payment is processed, they give us our money back. The whole process only takes a few weeks. Pretty straightforward, I thought. So how much interest do you get on the money you lend them? 
like 5%, 10%, 100%, he says, double. The only way I could reconcile this return was if there was an enormous amount of risk involved. So I asked, okay, so how big is the risk? No risk, he says. It's guaranteed. I followed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if there's an opportunity to double any investment amount in a few weeks with no risk, why isn't everyone doing it? Great question. It's low key. No one knows about it yet, he says. Apparently, he's already done one round and has another in the works. Please tell me I'm not crazy for thinking this is crazy. <laughs> I love, you know, I can tell that um, this listener has been a longtime listener to the Dollars House podcast because they are sniffing something out here, Scott. Uh, why don't you go ahead and set us straight on this one? What's going on here, man? This gets under my skin, Lance. Like there is, there, there's a special place for people like this that creates investment opportunities such as this. This is crazy. You know, we work so hard for our money. You know, we put in long days, long hours. We take our jobs extremely seriously. The money that we earn needs to be going to work for us. And I'm just going to call it out. This, I think, is a Ponzi scheme. So the whole premise behind this is, hey, you know, we, we've we got this uh, messed up debt to income ratio. We're trying to get this loan. We'll double your money. That's insane. It, it, it's it's way too good to be true. And if you this guy obviously is talking to to his friend, it sounds like. And I feel sorry for his friend because his friend is getting caught up in a scam. I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, that's what it is. And there might be. Yeah, his his friend is not the one scamming him. Or, or right, or, but the, the guy that's pitching him is get is the is the scam artist. Correct. So. What ends right. up happening in these types of situations is, you know, he's already done one round. What happens is they lull people to sleep. You know, they, they say, okay, yeah, give me some money. I need this. And uh, you might invest $500 and they might give you $1,000 back. And you're like, whoa, this is easy, easy peasy. Okay, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to put 2000 in this time and, and maybe they get $4,000 back. As you ladder up, it gets riskier and riskier. So it could happen on the second time. You, you get you get yeah. more confident. You get more confident. You scrounge together more dollars. Exactly. You go all so, in. you know, people get, they're, they're like, oh man, this is so easy. Uh, why don't I put $50,000 in? And the next thing you know, their money's gone. The, the people are gone. And and they might say, mm-hmm. oh, we've already had a successful round. I mean, they, they could be telling somebody else that they've had successful three rounds or, you know, they could be in a different spot in the process with all kinds of different people. But the main thing is they cannot possibly pay double just to secure a loan. That is ridiculous. And their whole, just the whole premise in general is, Hey, our debt to income ratio is off is a red flag in and of itself. Red flag. Red because flag that means right that there, their yeah. income isn't high enough yeah. to get a loan, which means that their business maybe isn't as as successful as they say. If it's so, a business at all. If it's even a business, I think it's just a Ponzi scheme. So that's what I'm going to call it. It sounds like it. Yeah. And it it just Or a pyramid scheme. You've heard of a pyramid scheme, Ponzi scheme, these are synonymous terms. Right. So, at the end of the day, the house of cards will fall. Steer clear. 
you are not crazy for thinking that is crazy. <laughs> Good instincts, listener. Good instincts. Well done. And so with that, we're going to move into the hops showdown portion of our show as we close out. Scott, what did you think about your beer? Oh, man. Lance, this was good. This was, again, this is really, really good. This is, again, from Big Truck Farm Brewery. Oh, Big Truck. Big Truck. <laughs> from Parkton, Maryland, this was the Half Cab Hazy IPA. Lewis would love Big Truck Brewery, I'm pretty sure. He would just love it out there. A lot of big trucks. It's awesome. A huge farm. I mean, lots of land. It's a cool, cool place to visit um, if you're ever in the... Uh, parked in Maryland area. This was awesome. Very similar to one of my favorite beers, Jockey's Juice. Shout out to Invernus Brewing. Very, 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 very similar. And I gave it a 95. I gave Jockey's Juice a 95 on the podcast. I don't think I'm going to go quite that high, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's a 94. Oh my goodness. It was a great hazy. Whew. Lots of tropical flavors. I love a hazy IPA, and this one did not disappoint. Nice. As a reminder, I had Pluff Mud Porter from Holy City Brewing in North Charleston, South Carolina. I love this beer, especially this time of year. It's actually a lighter beer for a porter. It's like a four-point something ABV. Uh, very, very nice. It's got some chocolate notes in it for sure. Um, kind of has that that just that nice porter flavor to it. Um I'd say some chocolate and some dark kind of like smoky flavors. I loved it. It's good. And and it's not going to get a 90, what'd you say, 94? Uh, no, no, it's not going to be 94. I'm, it's going to be a 92, but um, it, it fits the season well. And and I do love this beer, Pluff Mud Porter. Love it. And we're going to leave you today with our action step. Have you looked at how much your car makes up in your monthly budget for most people, it's the second largest expense in their life outside of their house. Consider buying used. As Lance said, I mean, that is the way to go. You can kind of cut down on the actual total that you're uh, paying for your car almost in half and never purchase more car than you can afford. Make sure to do that monthly budget to determine what you can afford as far as a car is concerned and ensure that you still have enough cash flow extra at the end of every month so that you can keep your expenses as low as possible and be able to invest for your future. This is Lance. This is Scott. Live and give on less than you make and invest the difference. Dollars and Hops out. You have been listening to the Dollars and Hops podcast. Optimizing your financial future starts with taking action today. Got a question? Shoot us an email at questions at dollarsandhops.com and the guys will tackle it on a future episode. Visit our website, dollarsandhops.com, for show notes and the craft brew lineup for each episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thanks for listening.